Good morning, Orlando. Good Wednesday morning to you. Glad you're up and at him early with us here at 6 o'clock as we give you our very first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here and right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Florida lawmakers are turned away from a homestead facility for migrant children. And President Trump demands House Republicans send him an immigration bill. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. And the left melts down over kids at the border, heckling and harassing the president and his Homeland Security Secretary, as you'll hear next on Good Morning Orlando. And good Wednesday morning at 6.02 on News Radio 1025. Senator Bill Nelson was turned away when he attempted to visit a Miami area facility for children who were separated from their parents when entering the United States illegally. Nelson claims that although the administration that runs the facility said he could visit, once he arrived, he was told that the Trump administration blocked him from entering the facility and was told that he needed to submit a two week notice before being allowed to go inside. That is the most hard hearted callous, unloving, and contrary to every American family value that I've ever been taught. President Trump said that his administration's decision to enact a zero-tolerance policy on illegal border crossers can end if Congress changed immigration laws. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Boy, on this issue that's boiling over from sea to shining sea, there's a lot to say. I'll tell you what I think is going on with that situation in South Florida and with the senator and the congresswoman um, and, and where it all may play out. That's where we begin conversation in a moment, Deb. Meanwhile, Florida Governor Rick Scott is demanding information from the federal government about that Florida shelter holding unaccompanied immigrant children. The governor sent a letter to U.S. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar Tuesday. In it, Scott says he disagrees with the policy of separating children from their parents at the border and calls for it to stop. He also demands information about the recently reopened shelter in Homestead that's housing some of the children taken from their parents at the border. Scott asks whether the federal government immediately notifies local authorities about any unaccompanied minors being brought to Florida, whether the children have had any health screenings, and whether any health or educational services have been provided to the children placed in Florida. He also offered Florida's help in reuniting the children with their parents. President Trump wants Congress to send him an immigration bill. Trump spoke to House Republicans yesterday evening and made it clear he would support either of the two immigration bills up for consideration this week. Trump reportedly also demanded a bill that allows families captured at the border to stay together. Democrats and Republicans in Congress have come out strongly against the practice of separating illegal immigrant children from their parents. In other news, the U.S. is pulling out of the United Nations Human Rights Council. U.S. Ambassador to the U.N. Nikki Haley claimed that the group doesn't live up to its name because it refuses to address serious human rights abuses across the world. Haley also accused the Human Rights Council of being hostile to Israel. She added, while they don't seek to impose the American system on anyone else, the U.S. does support the rights of all people to have freedoms bestowed on them. According to Haley, if the council makes some reforms, the United States would be happy to rejoin the Human Rights Council. A U.S. Marine is on his way to jail after bragging about taking part in violence at a neo-Nazi rally in Charlottesville, Virginia last summer. Lance Corporal Vasilios Pistolis was convicted of failing to obey an order or regulation and lying to investigators at a summary court-martial on Monday. He was sentenced to 28 days confinement, a reduction in rank to E1, and will forfeit two-thirds of one month's pay. 
And finally, Bruce Springsteen's handwritten lyrics to Born to Run are on the auction block, and they're expected to bring some serious money. Springsteen wrote the original draft of the lyrics on a piece of notebook paper back in 1974. The lyrics to the song that made the New Jersey rocker famous are expected to fetch a measly $300,000 at Sotheby's Auction House. The opening bid for the signed lyrics is $160,000. Just in case you're interested, the auction closes on June 28th. WFLA News Time at 6.05, and you can read about a West Point grad who wore Communism Will Win in his cap is discharged. Get the story for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. And we'll be talking about that story later on in the show, thanks to the Debmeister who put me on to it while we were talking before the show. Deb, you'll be back with news, bottom of the hour, whenever it breaks. Looking forward to it already. Absolutely. Good deal. Tying it all together in the control room, our executive producer, Yaffe, and the friendly voice you'll hear when you join the conversation on one hot topic after another this morning, and I hope you will, will be Stephanie screening our calls at 407 916-5400. Text line open if you want to go that route. It's never busy. Text us at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. All right, I'll tell you what's going on with this situation with that facility in South Florida and Senator Nelson and Congresswoman Schultz here. Um, it's problems for the Trump administration. But I'll also tell you why they don't want to let these two in. And uh, we'll talk about that in a moment. And then uh, something happened to the president I, I've never seen happen to any sitting president uh, last night. And it wasn't pretty. And it was even uglier for his embattled Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, harassed and driven out of a restaurant in Washington, D.C. Lots to get into. Let's dive in a bit early if we can. 607 here on News Radio 1025WFLA.com or rather 1025WFLA and AM540. I'm getting a little bit too anxious here. We got a lot to do, and I wouldn't want to do it without you. So listen closely. We'll dive in right after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic here in two minutes on News Radio 1025WFLA. Here's the way I see it. On this facility in Homestead, Florida, down in the Miami area here, um, that is a temporary shelter for a whole bunch of unaccompanied children um, who came from other countries and, uh, and, and are being held, separated from their parents in some cases, sometimes unaccompanied minors, apparently a thousand or so of them. Um, it is a reasonable request for a sitting United States senator and a, and a congresswoman, we're talking about Nelson and Debbie Wasserman Schultz here, okay, to say, hey, yeah, we'd like to take a look at the facility. Saying you can't do it, we need two weeks' notice, I, 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 I grant you, doesn't make them look good. It does make them look like what Bill Nelson suggested, that they are, in fact, hiding something. But I think what the deal is here, the Trump administration knows the politics of Nelson and Schultz, okay? Democrats, liberals on immigration policy, you know, whether they'll admit it or not, you know, generally speaking, very lax on, on securing our borders. If not, in the case, I think, of Debbie being for open borders entirely. They deny that for political reasons. 
But here's the deal. They know if they let him in there with the cameras rolling, and that's the way it would have been, the cameras were right there and ready to go when they showed up yesterday, that they would paint the worst picture possible to drive their agenda on illegal immigration and the deal with these kids. And and that's the bind that the Trump administration is in. Scott is demanding that they, you know, they get an explanation from Health and Human Services about why they won't let them in there and that they should let them in there. And I think ultimately they're going to get in. But trust me, that's what they are fearing. And I have no doubt they would do exactly what I just suggested. So that's what the rub is. Where was the president yesterday working this um, immigration situation, standing tough, demanding that Congress change the immigration laws that he said, again, are the worst in the world, and he's pretty much right on that. Let's listen to him. We can either release all illegal immigrant families and minors who show up at the border from Central America, or we can arrest the adults for the federal crime of illegal entry. Those are the only two options totally open borders or criminal prosecution for lawbreaking. So what I'm asking Congress to do is to give us a third option, which we have been requesting since last year, the legal authority to detain and promptly remove families together as a unit. So the president went up to Congress last night to meet with congressional leaders, and apparently not a whole lot happened. The House needs 218 votes. There's two bills out there. I don't know that they can even get to 218. And whatever they do appears to be dead on arrival in the United States Senate. Senate Minority Leader um, Schumer is saying the Democrats will give him no support on anything at all. So that's where we are. But the really ugly situation was when the president emerged from this meeting last evening, there were Democrats screaming at him, members of the of the Hispanic caucus literally screaming at the president over this issue with the kids. I've never seen a a sitting president of the United States treated in that disrespectful way. You may say the president, with some of his rhetoric, brings it on, but no sitting president should be subjected to this. The president, even so, said he had a great meeting. And his... His Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen, okay, has been right in the crosshairs on all of this, as you know. And so it was last night. She made a dubious decision to go out to dinner at a Mexican restaurant. I would have chosen another cuisine at this particular point in time, if you know what I mean. But she was there with her bodyguards, and then the leftists, you know, maybe there were some who were fresh from roughing up the president in the Capitol, Members of the leftist group, Democratic Socialists of America, discovered she was there and let her have it, harassing her, mocking her, and ultimately driving her out of the restaurant. Here it is.
The left is melting down over this issue because they think they've got the president when they can't get him any other way. How did Kirsten Nielsen react to this? I will tell you in a moment, and then I will play a cut, a reality check on what is going on on the border and how these kids separated by legal necessity from their parents who were trying to get into this country illegally, how they are being treated. A CNN reporter, I think, was out to shame this Border Patrol representative, but I thought he set her straight, and this is worth hearing as well. I'd like to hear from you. Where are you on what's going on with this situation? How do you want it to play out? I don't want the president to cave for crying out loud. I want the laws changed, and I want the president to get $25 billion for the wall, and that's ultimately why I think he is standing um, standing straight and standing tall on this issue despite the withering criticism. Where are you on this issue? 407-916-5400. Text line 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. And what are you thinking in the wake of what I played you about what they did to Kirsten Nielsen and what I told you about what the leftist activists did to the President of the United States on Capitol Hill last night? Outrageous. Callers, get your thoughts focused. 30 seconds or less, if you will. The clock is starting to tighten up a little bit here on the Budman. I do want to play something for you first. Yesterday on CNN, uh, which is about as anti-Trump as any media outlet you'll find, with a possible exception of MSNBC, um, Rick Baldwin was one of the anchors in the afternoon who's a good broadcaster here, but she's clearly a leftist like the rest of them, pretty much. Um, she had a... She had a representative from the from the Border Patrol Council on her show. He is a spokesman for the National Border Patrol Council, spends a lot of time on the border. His name is Chris Cabrera. And I thought she, she thought she was going to bore in on this guy and humiliate him and shame him over what's going on with the separation of the kids, etc. But listen to this guy. He says a lot of important things that need to be heard, and I'm sure CNN ultimately was not happy that um, that this stuff got over their airwaves. Here he is on what he sees on the border and what's wrong with our immigration laws and why Congress needs to change them. Right now we have this uh, this beacon of uh, we'll leave the light on for you. You come across illegally and we'll let you into the country. And if, if you guys have seen some of the stuff that we've seen down here, um, you would understand just how important it is to, to have a tough stance to divert people from coming here. Uh, when you see a, a 12-year-old girl with a Plan B pill or with uh, their, their parents put her on birth control because they know that's getting violated as part of the journey. That's just a oh. terrible way to live. When you see a four-year-old girl traveling completely alone with just her parents' phone number written across her shirt, I mean, come on now, you know, something needs to be done. We, we had a nine-year-old boy last year have a heat stroke and die in front of us uh, with no family around, and, and that's because we're allowing people to continue to take advantage of this system. All right, now, here we are on CNN, okay, about as anti-Trump as it gets, and their narrative includes that it's just cruel and inhumane what's being done with these kids and the way they're being treated. So the anchor asked the National Border Patrol Council spokesman, Chris Cabrera, whether these kids being detained at the border are, in fact, being treated humanely. I can tell you with absolute certainty that they're being treated humanely. Um, Most of our agents are parents. Uh, I've... I've seen guys, and I've done it myself, you, you give your last bottle of water to a kid, you'll take a toy out of your car to give to one of these kids because you know the situation they're in. 
Um, yeah. You know, agents are, are very sympathetic. Um, we're, we're human. We're fathers. We, we, we have families. Um, we, we do a lot for the communities here, whether or not a, a camera is involved. Our agents are very involved, and nobody saves more lives along the southwestern border than the U.S. Border Patrol. Boy, and the CNN anchor just had to kind of sit there and take it. And I think it was just a terrific job by this guy to try and somewhat balance their coverage. Here is Ron in Claremont. I'm with the Bud Man. Go ahead, Ron. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Bud. You know, um, it, it has to stop. I mean, it has to stop today because there's nobody who's standing up for the president who's doing a good job, not even the Republicans. How about we get a backbone? Okay, the president could come out with a cure for cancer and they would accuse him of putting oncologists out of work. You know what I mean? This is getting absolutely ridiculous now. They have a legal way to get here. Okay, they're not going to let this president succeed at anything. They're not going to let him succeed. You know, I mean, it's just like yesterday when Trey Gowdy and everybody else was taking this IG to task. Elijah Cummings comes out about the kids that are being what does one have to do with the other nothing nothing i watched it i felt the same way good call on the other side of the issue susan in castleberry on with the bud man good morning susan hi bud um yeah i feel that it's cruel and inhumane for trump to be using these innocent children as a bargaining chip or a pawn to get a wall and on the wall if Trump and his supporters want the wall so badly, they can, they can start a GoFundMe page. Trump can put a billion in to start, and then they can start next year um, after they make their contributions. Tell the um, IRS any tax refunds they're right. due can go right into the wall. Fund. Listen, Susan, what about if we build the wall, then you end a situation like this, and you don't I have don't kids? I want twenty-eight billion dollars of my tax money going to a wall. We don't even have national health care. All right, there you go. From the liberal side of the ledger, Deborah Roberts updating our news at the bottom of the hour. Fast-moving show. We got a lot to get done. Stay with me and buckle up. Florida lawmakers, as she'll report, turned away from a homestead facility for migrant kids. We're going to take a look at the legislative report card as well. Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. It is 6.30. Well, the politics of uh, illegal immigration and kids separated from their parents at the border has come to the Sunshine State. Deb? Where Florida Senator Bill Nelson is being denied entry to a Miami-area facility that houses children who enter the country illegally. Nelson and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz were turned away yesterday from the Homestead Temporary Shelter for unaccompanied children, where about 1,000 migrant children are reportedly being held. This is a federally contracted facility here. This is the involvement of federal funds. This is in my state of Florida, and we are being denied entry to see about the welfare of children. Nelson says they were told by the company running the facility they would need two weeks' notice to allow them inside. He called that, quote, ridiculous and said they're, quote, obviously hiding something, end quote. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. In the meantime, an illegal immigrant married to an Iraq War veteran will avoid deportation for a little longer. Davenport's Alejandra Juarez was supposed to fly back to Mexico tomorrow, but she said yesterday ICE will allow her to stay until August. The 38-year-old mother of two wanted a one-year extension, but that was denied. Kissimmee Congressman Darren Soto has rallied to her cause, but Juarez tells the Orlando Sentinel she needs a miracle to avoid deportation. Want to know if your local lawmakers actually kept the promises they made? There's a way you can do that. 
called the People First Report Card. It's from the organization Progress Florida, and Damian Filer is their spokesman. This is a tool for Floridians who are interested to find out not just what promises, campaign promises, uh, legislators made, but how they actually voted and whether those votes are in the interest of their constituents or not. All you have to do is check FloridaReportCard.com and look up your representatives to see how they voted on various issues. And despite allegations her boss calls disgusting and appalling, an Orange County worker will be able to keep her new job. County Comptroller Phil Diamond says when he hired Karen Peters six months ago, he didn't know the details of the sexual misconduct allegations against her while she was working in the county's HR division. Now that he knows, though, Diamond has decided to place her on permanent probation instead of firing her. He says Peters has very valuable skills, is doing a good job, and he believes in second chances. You can get these stories and more at 1025WFLA.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now with Gina Cervetti and the Bloomberg Business Report. And Phil Diamond's story is interesting, Deb. I'm going to look into that. We may talk about that tomorrow. Oh, it's a doozy. Yeah, it really is. All right, Deb, thank you so much. Let's bring in Gina Cervetti live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City with the daily Bloomberg Business Report. Good Wednesday morning to you, Gina. And good Wednesday morning to you, bud. So I'm in front of my computer in my home office. I'm doing show prep yesterday afternoon, and I'm looking at the Dow posted in the station I'm watching in the lower right. Man, it's tanking. It's down 400 points. It comes up 100 or so. What the heck happened on Wall Street yesterday, and how does it look today? Well, let's start with today, because it does look a lot better. The U.S. futures are tracking global markets higher as the initial angst surrounding this potential trade war shows signs of easing up for now. Of course, we've seen how this can impact the market on a day-to-day, week-to-week basis. But in any event, right now we have the Dow futures up 124 points, so it certainly looks like we're headed for a Wall Street, uh, a higher open on Wall Street. We have May existing home sales data to watch for today. We did have the lower close yesterday, but stocks did come up from their worst losses of the session. In the end, the Dow was down 287 points to 24,700. The S&P was lower by 11 or four-tenths to 2,763. The Nasdaq fell 21 to 77.26, and the Bloomberg Orlando index was down about three quarters of a percent. And it looks like things are changing for Starbucks right now. What's going on there? Well, the company plans to close about 150 stores in U.S. markets where it has a very heavy presence as U.S. sales growth stalls. They have about 14,000 stores domestically. Starbucks is making a renewed focus now on rural and suburban areas. Any indication that, um, you know, that the decline in in revenue or the the, the slowing of of revenue growth has anything to do with all of that controversy over, you know, those two black guys being cuffed and let out of the Starbucks in Philadelphia? I think this is a longer-term trend, Bud, because Mm -hmm. uh, Starbucks has really been going gangbusters, building lots and lots of stores. And as the uh, Bloomberg article about this points out, it seems like there's, quote, one on every corner. Yeah. And so when you look at the urban areas, especially where you have a lot of Starbucks, Mm -hmm. they are probably retrenching here just to stop uh, stealing business away from each other, yeah, so to speak. Yeah, they're kind of cannibalizing yeah, themselves. Exactly. Too much mm-hmm. competition from the same the same outlet too close by, and it happens. Okay, American Airlines, um, they're cutting jobs at a time when, you know, it seems like everybody else is hiring. What can you tell us? 
They are. They're cutting management jobs as the company sets a course to complete five years now of work merging with U.S. Airways. American did not say how many jobs would be cut, but the carrier does have more than 12,000 positions that are considered management roles. Most of American's 128,000 employees will not be affected by these cuts. Very interesting. And a Disney story always gets our attention here in Orlando. Um, Disney's been trying to acquire much of Fox, not Fox News, but about everything else in the entertainment empire there. But suddenly it looks like they're going to have a bidding war in their hands to get that done, right? Yeah, sources tell Bloomberg that 21st Century Fox is leaning towards starting negotiations with Comcast, paving the way for that bidding war over Fox's entertainment assets. You may remember Fox's board agreed six months ago to sell the assets to Disney in an all-stock deal. The board meets today to consider Comcast's $65 billion all-cash proposal. And I'm really glad we're closing with this item that I noted yesterday, that an original member, I think, of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is like, you know, 30 major companies here, um, General Electric is no longer going to be a part of the Dow. What has happened here? Well, the folks overseeing the Dow have kicked out beleaguered General Electric. It's a company that's been struggling lately, bud. And this comes, as you point out, after more than a century as part of the index. Once the world's most valuable company, also an original member of the Dow, the struggling GE is going to be replaced by Walgreens just before the opening bell wow. next Tuesday. Remember that Walgreens merged with Boots Alliance, yeah. so it's become a very large company. But General Electric is, in fact, the worst performer in the Dow this year, with shares down 26%. The Dow managers say they favor a company that, quote, has an excellent reputation, demonstrates sustained growth, and is of interest to a large number of investors. Boy, that is a change. I mean, GE's, you know, an original with a Dow, and, and it, you know, it has its roots in Thomas Edison, for goodness sakes, you know, and they are gone. Times are a-changing, right, Gina? They certainly are. It says a lot. Yep, it does. Thank you so much. Great job, as always, on the Bloomberg Business Report. Tune in every morning at 635. You'll hear Gina Cervetti live from New York City. We're looking forward to tomorrow. Have a wonderful day in the Big Apple, Gina. Thanks, bud. You have a great day. We're going to have one, and we're rolling here this morning. What's bugging the bud man? Glad you asked. And I'm going to tell you, even if you didn't, the D.C. spendthrifts, transgendered boys allowed to compete against girls, and a West Point grad finally dismissed from the Army for writing in his cap, communism will win. Why did it take so long to get rid of this guy? Good God. All coming up along with an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I think we can conclude this morning that we have another extinct species. Fiscal hawks have completely disappeared from Washington, D.C. Case in point the $1.3 trillion omnibus bill that Congress passed in March. The president took a look at it, and he decided, ah, that's a little too much. We're going to strike a blow for fiscal conservatism and restraint and responsibility, and we're going to take $15 billion out of that. It's called clawing back. Guess what? The latest read on Congress is that they don't have the votes to do this. It only requires a majority and the Republicans can't even come up with a majority in the United States Senate to take $15 billion out of a $1.3 trillion omnibus bill. 
Yaffe, that is just barely more than 1%. They can't even cut that. Yep, you're right. Extinction. That's what it is. It's outrageous. It's unbelievable. It's 1% plus of the omnibus bill and a (laughs) fraction of the overall annual government spending. That'll tell you where we are right now. They they say they can't even get 50 votes in the United States Senate. Well, for this. we're doomed. That's my conclusion. Further evidence. To that. <laughs> yeah. You know, we got all of this political correctness going, and we have an oppressed minority of these poor kids coming up who don't know what sex they are. They were born one way, but they think they're the other. They identify as the other sex apart from the way they are built biologically. And we got a problem going on in Connecticut and are having a real struggle in the school system because some transgendered boys, these are, these are teenagers built like boys. They're on a track team. But they identify as girls. So the school says, you can play and participate as girls and compete against girls because that's what you feel you are. But you're not that, you know. You got you got testosterone in you. You got bigger, stronger muscles. Well, but but you feel like you're a girl, so go ahead and race against the girls. Well, they did in the recent girls' state track and field competitions, and the boys who think they're girls and are being allowed to compete as girls wiped out the girls in the competition and took away all the medals. And now we got a bunch of parents who are demanding they're in an uproar over this because their kids, their girls got beat by the boys who think they're girls who were allowed to compete. And now they're talking about changing the rules and figuring all of this out. Unbelievable. What a situation there. And then there is this, and if I had more time, I'd spend more time on it. The United States Army has finally discharged a West Point grad who a year ago posed proudly at graduation in his full-dress uniform, showing the inside of his cap that he had written, Communism will win. He finally has been given a less-than-honorable discharge. It took a year to get rid of this guy, He's no longer part of the U.S. military after top brass at Fort Drum, New York's 10th Mountain Division, accepted his resignation earlier this week. And he remains unabashed. I mean, he <laughs> he showed the middle finger in a selfie sort of a shot at the sign at the entrance to Fort Drum where he had served. And he put up his middle finger in front of his camera and said one final salute. This guy has been all about espousing left, far-left causes. He considers himself a revolutionary socialist. He's urged others to join him in his revolution. While he was in uniform, it is reported that Spencer Rapone advocated for communism and political violence and expressed support and sympathy for enemies of the United States. He says, I'm glad to see that they have given him an other than honorable discharge, said one senator. Why did it take a year? That should have taken five minutes. Why would the guy want in to West Point if he hates this country and is rooting for communists to triumph, communism to triumph over us. All right, that's it. That's what's bugging the Bud Man. I feel better. Is that stuff bugging you at all? 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Yaffe, 
They can't even get enough votes to cut about 1% out of the $1.3 trillion omnibus bill, clawing back $15 billion. The president wants it. It's just, I mean, it's nickels and dimes. I mean, it's, you know, it's like spitting in the ocean for crying out loud. Uh, and, and, but it would have been a nice symbolic gesture that there is some sense of fiscal responsibility. Looks like it ain't happening. Well, like you point out, you know, what's our debt now? $21 trillion? Yeah. We can't cut $15 billion. That's why I said we're doomed. Because I don't see any real effort to solve this problem. We got this West Point grad finally discharged from the Army less than honorable a year after he proudly displayed the inside of his West Point cap when he graduated from the Military Academy of the United States Army. Inside the cap he had written, Communist, Communism will triumph. Communism will win. Why would this guy want to be in the Army, A, and B, why did it take the Army a year to bounce this guy? You know, I mean, I'm a little scared to find out. He probably wants to change the country from the inside, you know, in a way, in his own way, to a communist country. There's probably a lot of Americans who want to do that, unfortunately. Why would the U.S. Army be that tolerant, you know, that it took a year? I don't know. Political correctness. No, I'll stop. Most likely. <laughs> all right. On the screen, it says, Joe from Orlando, I'm all for it. What are you for, Joe? Yeah, uh, equality of opportunity. Uh, the fact that boys are uh, basically excluded from some races and some competitions is total discrimination. Well, what about these 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 boys? They're born boys. They're built like boys still, but they identify as girls. It's not fair, is it, for them to be allowed to compete against the girls? It just wiped them out in the in the track and field championships in Connecticut. They need to compete with the boys, don't they, Joe? Well, I think they're mentally ill for thinking that they're girls, but that's beside the point. The fact is, shouldn't we have equality of opportunity? Why don't girls want to be, you know, considered equal? <laughs> Why do they have to only go against slow people? Why can't they race the fast people? Ah, so in other words, you want all kids, regardless of gender, all competing on the same field in the same in the same events, right? Isn't that the way the world is? I don't know whether that's the way the world is. What do you think about the inability to take $15 billion out of an omnibus bill? They can't even get 50 votes in the Senate. As a fiscal uh, conservative, you must be outraged. Yeah, I would have uh, voted against the entire $1.3 trillion. Thank you. What's going on in the text line, Yaffe? We're not giving folks a break yeah. there. we got so much going on. Yeah, by the way, I think Joe is being a little facetious. You think on, so? On the transgender yeah, thing. Yeah, well, he yeah. can do whatever he wants. I know, where, <laughs> I know he is. He just likes to kind of, you know, yeah. stir the pot a little bit. And mm-hmm. that's okay. Every once in a while, you know, I'm tired of stirring it. I'll let somebody else do it. Um, on the transgender thing, we have a texter who says, allowing males to compete as females is a great way to kill girls or women's sports. Very few women can compete on the level of men. It's just science. Yeah. You got a take on that, Steph? As an athletic young woman? What happened up there in Connecticut? These boys who identify as girls were allowed to compete with girls. It's politically correct, an oppressed minority. They, if they think they're girls, they get to compete, and they just cleaned up on the actual girls. Yeah, I don't really get that. I don't get it at all. I'm not for it. Thank you. Appreciate that. Guess we got that covered. 
Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a beautiful Wednesday at 7 o'clock as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning Florida lawmakers are turned away from a homestead facility for migrant children, and the Public Service Commission is holding hearings on power systems. We'll have the details coming up in one minute. Google says it can predict when you and I will die. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're debating this technology next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 7.04 on News Radio 102.5. The Trump administration is accused of shameful behavior and a cover-up when it comes to a new immigration policy. That's what Senator Bill Nelson and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz said yesterday after they were denied entry at a center housing children separated from their parents. Wasserman Schultz called on Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen to resign. So this is absolutely obstruction and blocking and cover-up by President Trump, Secretary Nielsen, who should resign because she's abdicated and is disqualified from a, from a position of public trust. When the Democratic lawmakers showed up at the Homestead Temporary Shelter for Unaccompanied Children, they were told they needed to give two weeks' notice of their visit. Wasserman Schultz tells CBS 4 News she won't give up easily and she'll try to get into the shelter again on Monday. This news brought to you by Tresco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. That's just one of many immigration-related items. You know, things are really boiling over, and we'll get back into it here in the 8 o'clock hour. The D.C. Democratic Socialists of America say they interrupted Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen's dinner at a Mexican restaurant in Washington last night. The protesters went to confront Nielsen over a policy that has resulted in some children being separated from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. The group posted video of the protest, which lasted for about 10 minutes. There was no reaction from Nielsen or her dinner companion. I'm going to tell you, I'll play what they said and what they were doing to her. It was really, really ugly. But why in the world she'd go to a Mexican restaurant (laughs) right now, I can't even imagine. Meanwhile, the school, I, I was singing the same thing, yeah, really. uh, of all things. Go ahead, Perhaps Chinese. tonight, something different, yeah, you know? Yeah, maybe Vietnamese, some Thai. There you, you know, go. How about just a Mexican steakhouse, food. all American. Yeah. All right. Meanwhile, the school, the DHS secretary once attended, refuses to get into the immigration debate, but her fellow alums aren't shying away. Graduates of Tampa's Berkeley Prep are circulating an open letter condemning the Trump administration's policy of separating children of illegal immigrants from their parents. Clearwater native and Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen graduated from Berkeley Prep in 1990. The letter urges Berkeley's headmaster to condemn the practice, but the school tells uh, 10 News it will not take a position on an issue unrelated to education policy. In other news, the state's Public Service Commission is talking with power companies about the possibility of replacing overhead power grids with underground systems to avoid damage. Commissioner Donald Pullman says the change may lessen the damage to power lines, but it wouldn't necessarily prevent power outages. My neighborhood is underground. I was out of power in Irma for six days because, you know, the main road coming into my community is overhead. Now, I don't know where the outage was, but to that point of the hybrid system, we have a good uh, thunderstorm with a lot of wind. I could have an interruption. Yeah, Pullman said one of the drawbacks of going underground leads back to where the power feeding the network comes from. If the network's feed is coming from above ground, power could still be lost in a storm. 
Officials are also discussing the possibility of hardening the state's power infrastructure by moving the above-ground systems to below ground as well. That would be good news. Mm -hmm. And finally, all of the people forced to evacuate ahead of the 416 fire in southwestern Colorado are back home. The last of the evacuation orders were lifted yesterday, but officials are warning people near Durango they could be forced uh, to get out again. The fire hasn't grown much in the past couple of days after wet weather, thanks to Hurricane Bud or the remnants of what was Hurricane Bud, slowed it over the weekend, but that could change over the next few days. Rising temperatures, dry conditions, and wind could lead to dangerous fire conditions again later this week. WFLA News Time at 7.08. Read about a man serving as pallbearer is crushed to death by his mother's coffin. Oh, Deb. My goodness. It's a terrible story from overseas in Indonesia, and you can get the story for yourself at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Something a little different in this half hour of Good Morning Orlando. Something for you to think about and respond to. Have you heard about Google's artificial intelligence, their medical brain? They're training these machines they've developed to predict when patients in a hospital will die. Is this a blessing or is this a curse? Lots of facets. I've been giving this a lot of thought. And um, we'll talk about it together here in just a moment. We're going to first, though, have a word from Deb and an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. This is quite a story. And I want to know whether you share the same concerns that I have. Google is heavily into developing artificial intelligence, and they're moving into the medical field. They have a Google medical brain team, and it is training machines to be able, with their artificial intelligence, to predict when a hospital patient will die. Is this a blessing or is this a curse? And where might this be leading with the next generation of the Google medical brain? That's what I'm wondering here. In addition, I'm wondering if if I had a machine, a Google machine, giving the word when I went into the hospital that I don't know, I likely am going to be dead in 18 hours. Would I want to know that or not? Probably not. But at any rate, more on this, okay? Um, Google is focusing on the healthcare potential of neural networks, a form of artificial intelligence software particularly good at using data to automatically learn and improve. Google had created a tool that could forecast a host of patient outcomes, including how long people may stay in hospitals, their odds of readmission to the hospital, and the chances that they will soon die. And what impressed medical experts most was Google's ability to sift through data far faster and more accurately than existing techniques. The intelligence system, the artificial intelligence system, could steer doctors towards certain medications and diagnoses, which sounds good. And these algorithms, it is claimed, could ultimately save lives and money. Um, let me tell you one story, chapter and verse, with the medical brain team of Google and how this played out. Okay, this, this is the first thing that made headlines within the last month. 
A woman with late-stage breast cancer came into a city hospital, fluids already flooding her lungs. She saw two doctors and got a radiology scan. The hospital's computers read her vital signs and estimated there was a 9.3% chance she would die during her stay. Then, Google's medical brain took a shot at the odds. A new type of algorithm created by the company read up on the woman. More than 175,000 data points Google was able to examine and rendered its assessment of her death risk. Not 9.3% of dying during her hospital stay, 19.9% that she would pass away during her hospital stay, and indeed she died in a matter of days. This this is just cutting-edge futuristic stuff, this artificial intelligence um, that is that is being worked on now by Google's so-called medical brain team. Now, I have two questions that I don't necessarily have the answer to, but I'm unsettled here. I mean, I see great, great potential on the upside. You know, but so much, you know, technology has shown us over the years, there's always a flip side, you know? I mean, you have nuclear power. Wow, that's awesome. And you have nuclear bombs, and they're deadly, et cetera, et cetera. The question is, if Google's medical brain could tell you when you went to the hospital what the odds were of you coming out alive, would you want to know that or would you not? And do you worry, as I do, about the next generation of the Google artificial intelligence medical brain? Might there be a scenario when they really get this down and develop it beyond where it is now, where they take a look at your medical profile, determine how much longer you have to live, and decide on that basis whether it is worth the health care cost of treating you. Would we have, perhaps, a Google version of the old death panels, the bureaucrats who decided under Obamacare whether you were going to get the treatment or somebody else was going to get it, who might live longer, younger, stronger, etc.? Could we have artificial intelligence death panels downstream deciding whether or not we get much-needed treatment to continue living. 407-916-5400. This is what I'm thinking about in this regard, and I'd like to know your take on Google's medical brain. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. I think of myself as somebody who is open to new ideas and new technology. I don't understand high technology but I'm excited about it when it brings something to the table for the good of humanity. And I see a lot of potential good as they develop this artificial intelligence in the medical field. It's a Google project. They have their medical brain team, okay? And they're showing an ability to predict with an accuracy never before possible any other way what the future will be for a patient entering the hospital how long they're apt to live, when they might die, etc. Now, would you want to know that information when you went into the hospital? Would you want to know your numbers according to the Google machine? But I do worry more about the next generation of this technology. As I said before, could this be used to ration health care? You know, and kind of handicap uh, whether you're worth treating or not. I really worry about us going down that road, Yaffe, kind of an artificial intelligence death panel, if you will. 
Yeah, I think that is a real worry. And it doesn't have to be like a government rationing. It could be that the doctors just don't try as hard because they figure, hey, they're not going to make it. Why should I expend all this energy and resources into this patient when the computer is telling me that patient's probably not going to make it? Let me ask you, Yaffe, if you went into the hospital with a serious illness, would you want to know what the odds are according to the Google brain machine of, of you living a certain length of time or how long you're apt to live? Or would that would that be a frightening thing to know? Oh, I would definitely not want to know. Please no. Unless it's like 99% you're going to be okay, then you can tell me. Then I'll be okay with that. So but, if it gives you hope, yeah, but otherwise, yeah. no. All right? No, no thanks. Here's Dave. You've worked in the medical field. Good morning. You're on with a Bud Man and Company from Mount Dora. Good morning, Dave. Good morning, Bud. Look, I want to tell you that this kind of thing is already starting with doctors having to do meaningful use and also document in their charts uh, the outcome-based medicine that they're going to have. This computer use will simply uh, divide for the insurance companies, and particularly Medicare and Medicaid, outcome-based medicine. And you're going to have to decide at some point whether public dollars will be used to fund your illness, particularly if you're over 65 and uh, you're your actuarial chances of surviving are not good, so why would we invest public dollars on your way to the grave? Mm-hmm. Currently, about 60% of a lifetime's medical benefits are paid in the last year of life. And we just simply, the 71% of our federal budget going for Medicare, Medicaid, and right. We can't afford to have people go in the hospital with a terminal illness and just dump a half a million dollars for their stay in the hospital as they go to the grave. Let me ask you, Dave, would you want Google's artificial intelligence, their medical brain, making the call on what kind of treatment you get and for how long? I don't want them deciding or denying my care, but at some point they will decide whether public dollars or my insurance company will pay for it. Then it's up to me to use my own pocket money to pay for that, that illness. Great insights. Great call from a guy who's worked in the medical field. Dave, thank you so much for being part of the conversation here on the 50,000-watt front porch. Deborah Roberts alongside me right now. In a couple of minutes here, Deb, I want you to preview your legal brief segment with attorney Jeff Kaufman that comes up every Wednesday at 840. But we got a lot of news to get to first. So how about we do that? Yeah, let's do that. The Trump administration has reopened a South Florida facility that houses minors who enter the country illegally. The Homestead Temporary Shelter for Unaccompanied Children closed last year after illegal border crossings declined. The facility can house up to 1,000 children. Senator Bill Nelson and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz were among those touring the shelter yesterday, but they were turned away. And Nelson says it's obvious what the Trump administration is doing. They are obviously trying to cover up. They don't want us to see it. The lawmakers are calling for the president to change the policy, which requires children to be separated from parents who cross over the U.S. border illegally. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. A lot more on this in the 8 o'clock hour here, Deb. Hey, bud, are you scared of spiders? Yes, I don't like them. They creep me out. Do they creep you yes, out? Yes, they do. Are you the official spider killer in your house? Absolutely. My wife won't go near them. Really? Yeah. No, I would get a long-distance call for her to fly home to kill a spider. <laughs> That's where she is on spiders. Mike Yaffe, <laughs> are you scared of spiders? Uh, yes. I mean, not too scared. I'll kill him. Yeah. But I don't like him. You don't like him? I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Miss Stephanie doesn't really be, not a big fan of the spider, of the anacronism. She'd, she'd shoot him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I won't kill him. Like, I'm freaked out. <laughs> well, you guys are not alone, because for Demi Sweeney, a college student in England, spiders are a literal nightmare and are so terrifying 
that when she was confronted by a one-inch arachnid on her wall, she decided to call a friend for help in killing it. All right, but when no one she knew was close by to help her out with the insecticide, her friend on the phone suggested she order food for delivery and hopes the driver might kill the offending insect. (laughs) Sweeney decided it was worth a shot, and before ordering her meal from KFC, she wrote to Deliveroo's customer service, hoping she might be able to ask for an extra service. Deliveroo's customer service sympathized with her predicament, but said the driver may not be much help if they were, quote, more afraid of spiders than she is, end quote. Sweeney, a criminal justice major, told the Washington Post she is literally so terrified of spiders, she regularly loses sleep just by thinking about the creepy crawlies. You know what should have happened there? She should not have said, I'm going to want him to kill a spider. Get him there, schmooze him, tell him I'll give you a really big tip. If you go over and take that critter out, well, that's what needed to happen. Well, fortunately, she was lucky with that because when the delivery driver named Joe appeared at her door 20 minutes later with her order of KFC, she made just that request, bud, hoping she didn't sound crazy to the driver. The nice guy that he is, Joe decided to help Sweeney out, climbing a chair and swatting at the spider, making it fall to the ground. The college co-ed said Joe managed to capture the spider and flush it down the toilet. As you said, bud, hopefully Sweeney gave Joe a decent tip. (laughs) For his spider-killing efforts. I thought your story was over without the tag, and that now <laughs> that's good. That's exactly the way that should have gone. Meanwhile, cool. an improvised method of getting rid of a snake in a garden by spraying it with gasoline kicked off a chain reaction that ended up with a house on fire in southern Finland. <laughs> Finnish public broadcaster YLE reported Tuesday that some of the flammable liquid spread by an ill-fated homeowner west of Helsinki landed on a nearby lawnmower that was just... Warm enough oh boy. to ignite a fire. Mm-hmm. Flames spread quickly in extremely dry conditions in the wooden house, reaching the exterior wall and attic. The broadcaster said firefighters extinguished the blaze, but damages may reach $17,000. And what were we trying to kill here? A snake. I think this is called overkill, Yaffe. Would that be the classic definition? Don't quite something on fire that can move. <laughs> exactly. And move somewhere else. <laughs> I mean, come they, on. They, uh, they didn't identify the reptile, but venomous adders, smooth snakes, and grass snakes are the most common types of snakes in Finland. There you go. At least it's not a Florida story, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a Finland story. Exactly, <laughs> Finland. <laughs> hey, um, coming up in about one hour, you're going to have attorney Jeff Kaufman here, and boy, he's an expert on any, anything in the law at all and does a terrific job on your legal brief segment. Can you give us a preview? Yeah, well, I want to ask him about the, um, you know, Morgan & Morgan announced this week that they are representing three of the victims in last week's roller coaster derailment in Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in the fact that the lawsuit um, is reportedly going to go after the owner, the operator, and the manufacturer. I want to ask Jeff, why not the state agency that inspected that ride just hours before Uh, the derailment happened. That would be the Department of Agriculture, and apparently they're not suing them, and that'll be very interesting to get some legal analysis there. And for folks who are listening and they have some legal issues they're dealing with in their own personal lives, you need to be here for legal briefs for sure. Absolutely. Text us your question to 23680. Attorney Jeff Kaufman is the only attorney licensed in 18 states in the entire country. He is the only one, so his knowledge of the law is vast. So like Bud said, if you have an issue you're dealing with and you would love some free legal advice, no strings attached, text us your question to 23680. And he's got such a great common touch. He explains these complicated legal principles in, in language 
you know, dummies like you and me and most folks can understand. You Absolutely. Know? Takes away the legalese and makes it approachable and understandable. Yeah, you do a great job with legal briefs and attorney Jeff Kaufman. So text your legal questions at 23680 and uh, be ready in one hour to listen to Deb with attorney Kaufman. In a moment, fun and games on the 50,000 watt front porch. We're playing the Daily Sound Judgment Game. Great new family prize here. If you haven't been to the mascot games, the Amway Center, the great sports mascots all take each other on and sports and all kinds of different contests, and it is hilarious and fun. The kids, the grandkids are going to love it. You'll be their hero if you win the mascot game free tickets for them. So get on the 50,000-watt front porch. You're eligible to play, the company says, if you haven't been a winner in 30 days on Sound Judgment. So great opportunity for first-timers to um, to win our great prize here, Mascot Game Tickets, a family four-pack of tickets. So I have the Sound Judgment question ready to go, but I have no contestants. So hop on the 50,000-watt front porch and join us at 407-916-5400. 407-916-5400. Sound Judgment coming right up. And we'll have an update as well on Orlando's news, water, and traffic. And that's only two minutes out on News Radio 1025 WFLA. All right, we got a full bank of callers ready to vie for our prize on the sound judgment game. And let's talk about what our winner will get. Go ahead, Steph. That's right, bud. So today we have a great four pack of tickets to the mascot games presented by Wawa Saturday, June 23rd at 2 p.m. See Stuff, Nitro, Kingston, and over 20 fan favorites battle it out through wacky games. For tickets, visit 1025WFLA.com, keyword tickets, benefiting new hope for kids. Yeah, it's a great cause, and it's a great event. It's really, really fun. So if you're trying to get in and you're frustrated because all the lines are jammed, if somebody gets a wrong answer, um, you be ready to call quickly because we'll open up this line for you at 407-916-5400. So Florida's U.S. Senate race between Rick Scott and Bill Nelson is really heating up, with Scott running ads skewering Nelson for being in politics far too long. I want you to listen to a little sound from one of those ads now running. Then use your sound judgment to tell me what office Senator Nelson was first elected to back in 1972. I'm Rick Scott, and I approve this message. I think Bill Nelson should come home. Nelson has been in office a thousand years. Been in Congress forever. He started in politics in 1972. Yes, he did in 1972, and he was elected to what office in 1972? That's the question. You got some of you scrambling, right? Take your best shot, line one. You're up first. Hey, bud, how's it going? Good. How are you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. Think you got it? Um, I think so. I mean, I've been in Florida all my life. Um, I was a little bit before I was born, but nonetheless, um, I still kind of follow it. Was he the House of Representatives? The House of Representatives. Well, wait a minute, Yaffe. We have to know what House of Representatives. Um, <laughs> the U.S. House of Representatives? No. No, but thanks for trying. 407-916-5400. I appreciate the conversation. Uh, let's go to line four. What office was um, Nelson first elected to back in 1972? Florida State uh, House of Representatives. That's right. Absolutely right. It was the old 47th District representing much of Brevard County and parts of Orange and Seminole Counties, and he won re-election in 74 and 76. 
and then moved along. And, of course, he's been in the United States Senate for several terms now. Congratulations. You and the family are going to the mascot games on us. Thank you, bud. Hey, you're welcome. And congratulations on nailing a tough question. And um, we hope you enjoy the prize. What's your first name? Jason. Jason, and uh, what do you call home? East Orlando. Orlando. Uh, Nice to have you with us on the 50,000-watt front porch. Uh, I hope you enjoy the show. We appreciate you playing our game, and congratulations on winning the prize. Thank you, bud. Keep up the great work. Hey, we're doing our best here. We're working hard, and it's great to be with folks like you here on the 50,000-watt front porch. I'll connect you off-air with Stephanie, and you can make the prize arrangements because you deserve it. Congratulations, Jason. Yeah, for you and I were talking off the air after we did that um, Google artificial intelligence uh, medical story in the um, the top of the 7 right. o'clock hour here with Google's medical brain where they can actually predict in a way that's never been possible before with great accuracy how long a patient entering a hospital has to live, you know, what yes. the likelihood is of them dying. And, and, and my first thought was maybe we just need to borrow the Google medical brain for another purpose you know, and hook it up to some of these aging politicians running for re-election <laughs> and find out whether they're worth supporting and donating to. You that know? sounds like a positive. Yes. Yeah. You had another I mean, exactly idea. Right. Well, we got to hook it up to the Supreme Court justices as well and find out, you know, hey, Ruth, how long they got. Yeah, Ruth Ginsburg, come over here a minute here, <laughs> all right? Uh, let me hook up these two electrodes here and a Google brain and see how long you're going to be around. We'll get the nominee lined up today. <laughs> I mean, it can't predict if they're going to retire, but, you know, a lot of them don't want to retire. They just want to stay in there. That has been a complaint since the dawn of the Republic. A famous yeah. quote from Thomas Jefferson of the Supreme Court. Yeah, I mean, like in the early 1800s, few die and none resign. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, I coming like up. This idea. Yeah, uh, we're getting into all of this stuff with immigration and the kids. And did you hear what happened to the president on Capitol Hill last night? Did you hear what happened to his Homeland Security secretary at a restaurant in Washington, D.C. last night? You will, but there's a lot more than that. And part of the story, Deborah Roberts will update in our news at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Florida lawmakers turned away from a South Florida facility for migrant children. And more jellyfish warnings in Volusia County. Ouch. And by the way... Good morning, Orlando, from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit laurahasthebuyers.com. We are glad you're with us at 7.59. Good morning, Orlando. Delighted to have you with us on a beautiful Wednesday morning here at 8 o'clock. And you're just in time as we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right here and right now on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Deborah Roberts. And our top stories this morning, Florida lawmakers are turned away from a homestead facility for migrant children. And there are jellyfish warnings in Volusia County. We'll give you the details coming up in one minute. Trump, the border, we're all over it. And we're talking with you next on Good Morning Orlando. Happy Hump Day. It's 802 on News Radio 1025. Senator Bill Nelson was turned away when he attempted to visit a Miami area facility for children who were separated from their parents when entering the United States illegally. Nelson claims that although the administration that runs the facility said he could visit, once he arrived, he was told that the Trump administration blocked him from entering the facility and was told that he needed to submit a two week notice before being allowed to go inside. That is the most hard hearted 
callous, unloving, and contrary to every American family value that I've ever been taught. President Trump said that his administration's decision to enact a zero-tolerance policy on illegal border crossers can end if Congress changed immigration laws. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. I think the senator is entitled to get in there. I'll explain why I think they're trying to delay that coming up. Meanwhile, but over 600 clergy and members of the United Methodist Church are condemning U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions for implementing and defending the practice of separating children from their parents at the U.S.-Mexico border. And a formal complaint sent this week. They accused Sessions of child abuse, immorality, racial discrimination, and acting contrary to the church's beliefs. Officials from Catholic, Presbyterian, Episcopal, Evangelical, Lutheran, and other religious organizations have also criticized the policy, either through their own statements or by signing on to letters blasting the policy. Closer to home and in other news, maintenance on Florida's SunPass toll system? Yeah, well, it's now causing issues for drivers using Central Florida's ePass system. The SunPass system went offline for maintenance more than two weeks ago on June 1st, and it hasn't been posting tolls to users' accounts since. Now, the same is happening to people who use the Central Florida Expressway Authority's ePass system. A spokesperson for ePass says tolls from roads that are part of the SunPass system have not been posting to ePass customer accounts since June 1st. Again, the system maintenance has also prevented ePass from posting more than 11 million tolls to SunPass customers' accounts during that time. For its part, SunPass is saying we're Customers are going to see charges over several weeks because they're trying to keep customers' accounts from being charged all at once. What a mess. It really, really, really is. I knew it. The second I got the press release that said they were going down for maintenance for two weeks, I thought, this is not going to be good. No, and it's not. And it's not. Definitely not. Something else that isn't real good is if you've been to the beach lately and got stung by a jellyfish, Volusia County beaches have been dealing with that the past nine days, and they could be dealing with it. For a few more, or according to Captain Andrew Etheridge, Volusia County Beach Safety, winds could turn on a dime and the creatures could vanish. Honestly, uh, with a good strong west wind, this could they could be gone tomorrow, and uh, we may not have a single jellyfish sting literally overnight. So it really is dependent on uh, the the weather conditions. He says jellyfish are creatures of both wind and ocean currents, and so far both of those factors have been favorable for moving them closer to shore. Add that to that, the beautiful weather we've been having, lots more people at the beach. Uh, maybe uh, pack a bottle of white vinegar in your beach bag just in case. Yeah, that's best to deal with the pain, right? Yeah, just don't in... do not do what the Friends episode did. Don't do not do I don't that. know what that is. What, what, what? Chandler no. had to pee on someone. Because, oh, you know, no. that's always been the, the old what? wives' tale. I didn't know that. Yeah, the ammonia apparently in urine it will help mm-hmm. take the sting of jellyfish sting. So if you remember the Friends episode, yeah. Chandler had to pee on Monica after she got stung by a jellyfish. Turns out white vinegar will do it for you. Why did I even ask you this? Well, uh, you, at least now you know the answer. <laughs> I guess I do. I got to tell you, the jellyfish, is, it's, it's scary because, you know, you look at the jellyfish and you say, okay, it's over there, I'm over here. But you're not safe because those tentacles go out forever. They can nail you. And they can even get you on the beach. So, yeah, you got to be careful of that. But let's be grateful for that. They're not the really tiny box jellyfish in Australia. They are the most deadly jellyfish in the world, and they only measure like about a quarter of an inch. I didn't know that. These Portuguese men of war, they look like a great big, you know, purple Ziploc bag lying on the beach or something like that. They're nasty enough. Yeah, they are. Hey, finally, (laughs) this is pretty cool. The Broward County Sheriff's Office is now using drones in its day-to-day work. 
According to Local 10 News in Miami, the agency has been testing drones since September. The sheriff's office now has nearly three dozen drones in its fleet, and more than two dozen deputies are trained to fly them. The drones are used for rescue missions, crowd control, and identifying suspects. The sheriff's office says they're not being used, however, for surveillance. Mm, mm. That's what they say. That's what they say. Hope they're doing. Hope they're <laughs> right on that. Same here. WFLA News Time. It's eight oh seven. And believe it or not, but you can read about a West Point grad who wore "Communism Will Win" inside of his cap is finally discharged. And Bud, you told me it took the Army more than a year to discipline this guy. I can't believe they didn't blow this guy out of the Army in five seconds. We talked about it earlier in the show, and we can check it out on the website, right? Yeah, see the shocking pictures for yourself at 1025WFLA.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. From News Radio 1025, this is Good Morning Orlando. Hey, Deb, before you go back into the newsroom to get the 830 ready at 840 this morning, you're going to be um, doing your legal brief segment we all wait for every week with Attorney Jeff Kaufman. What are you going to be talking about? Well, we're going to be uh, talking about the lawsuit that was filed this week against the uh, sandblaster ride in Daytona Beach that derailed last week. I have some questions for him as to why the state agency that inspected that ride just hours before the derailment is not being included in the lawsuit. And, of course, we've already got listeners who are texting in their legal questions Please feel free to do that to 23680. Good deal. Inside the legal activity in the wake of that roller coaster wreck that made headlines around the country. And uh, Attorney Jeff Kaufman answering your legal questions coming up here at 840 with the Deb Meister. Good morning, Orlando from the Frontgate Realty Studio. Visit LauraHasTheBuyers.com. The left melting down over Trump, the border, and the kids. We'll get into it all, and we'll talk about it together next on Good Morning Orlando. First up, an update for you on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. I'll have that ready to go in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. There's no doubt that Florida Senator Bill Nelson, by virtue of the position he holds, and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, as much as I despise her politics as a sitting congresswoman, that they have the right to go in and inspect that facility that's paid for with taxpayer dollars in Homestead, the temporary shelter for unaccompanied children, okay? About a 1,000 or so of these migrant kids reportedly being held, um, some of them separated from their parents, some of them unaccompanied minors who came into this country illegally. There's no doubt that they should be able to go in and they should be able to go in in a timely fashion, not be told they have to apply and wait two weeks. But here's the problem. You got a couple of liberals here and you know what their agenda is on the border situation and the bit with these kids and how they're trying to apply such pressure to the president that he caves on all of this. But he better not cave and I don't think he will. He ran on tough border measures against illegal aliens and protecting the border of this sovereign nation and determining who gets in this country or not. And we get the call on that. I'm with the president on all of this. It's outrageous that they're being told, Nelson and Schultz, that it's got to be two weeks. Scott's demanding that, uh, you know, that there, there be a resolution and they be able to go into the facility. I don't think that they're trying to cover up anything. I'm sure they're doing a good job of looking after these kids, but I'm absolutely sure if you let Nelson and Schultz in with the cameras rolling and they had them ready to go yesterday when they showed up there, that they will paint the worst picture possible to drive their agenda on this. 
And that's the position they have the Trump administration in. Oh, there's so much I could share with you. Last night, the president went to Capitol Hill to try to work out a deal on immigration reform and uh, revising these laws and, and resolving this situation with the kids only, only to be shouted at by Democrats, some from the Hispanic caucus, and literally cursed at. I've never seen a sitting president subjected to that by a member of Congress before, and many members. It was outrageous and incredibly disrespectful. And it frankly got worse for his Homeland Security Secretary, Kirsten Nielsen. She was literally driven out of a D.C. restaurant where she was having dinner last night. I will play that for you here in a moment. You have to hear this. The left is completely melting down. It is outrageous what is happening here, how they are demagoguing this issue. 407-916-5400, text line 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. If I could give Kirsten Nielsen some advice in this current climate, you might want to choose another cuisine other than Mexican, but she showed up at a Mexican restaurant with her bodyguards in tow, and she needs them, and she was literally driven out by these protesters. Listen to what they did. This is the emotionally rational left melting down here, advocating open borders, no control over who gets into this country. Welcome all comers. Whether you have the best interests of this country at heart or not, whether or not you can support yourself when you are here, whether or not you're a terrorist, whether or not you're a gang member, whatever. And, 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 and screaming and yelling at this cabinet member who is simply following the law. And that's exactly what's happening here. So you are, they are advocating lawlessness and open borders. It's incredible. Paul, good morning from Orlando on all of this. What do you think? Good morning. How are you? Um, my three points I'd like to make. When you break the law and you have children, do they go to jail with you or are you separated? That's a point I made yesterday. There is separation there, but the cameras aren't rolling. The kids cry in their bedrooms at night for mommy or daddy. Exactly. And uh, I kind of disagree with you about Nelson and Schultz, the senators. Or, uh, they have no right, if they're going there, for political gain and not to enforce the laws of this land. They don't have a right in there. It's just like Obama sticking his nose into the police business and causing all the problems he caused with our police. I think they have right as an elected officials, particularly at that level, to go in and take a look at a facility here that is paid for with federal tax dollars. I know why they're not letting them in, because they know what they're going to do with it to drive their agenda, Paul. But, of course, they would deny that that's the reason they're going in. They're just interested in the welfare of the children. I think you're going to find that they get in there hopefully without any cameras so that they can, you know, 
they can editorialize as they want. We'll see. Robert in Orlando, what about it? Go ahead, Robert, on the situation with Nelson, Debbie, and uh, that facility in Homestead. But I wouldn't let him in for one really big reason, and that's why scare those kids? If, if they're already scared the way the Democrats lead on like they are, why scare them anymore having a couple of goofs like them go in there and make critical remarks and asking the kids if they're all right, is anybody bothering you? Those kids aren't allowed to even be touched by people that are running that facility. I, I just think a sitting U.S. senator and congresswoman um, have a right when, you know, it's a federally run facility with federal with, with, with tax dollars to get in there. I, I just do. It's as simple as that. I always will tell you what I believe to be true. We'll see how it plays out. Incoming on that text line, Yaffe, sort it out for us. Yeah, one person says this, says President Trump should notify the governments of these unaccompanied children that we are sending them back. We have our own American children living in poverty in this country that already need to be taken care of. Another person says, why blame Trump? It's the parents who are making the decision to go forward without their kids. The families have the option of turning around and coming into the country legally. Great moment on CNN yesterday afternoon. Uh, Brooke Baldwin, the anchor, I think, was trying to shame this um, fellow, um, Chris Cabrera, who's the National Border Patrol Council spokesman and spends a lot of time on the Mexican border. Uh, But he told it straight, and he wouldn't take any guff from her. Let's listen a little bit. I think this is really worthwhile. We're not hearing enough of what's really going on and how the uh, Border Patrol operation works. Here is Chris Cabrera. On, um, on what he sees on the border every day, what is wrong with our immigration laws, why Congress needs to change them now. Right now we have this, uh, this beacon of, uh, we'll leave the light on for you, you come across illegally and we'll let you into the country. And if, if you guys have seen some of the stuff that we've seen down here, um, you would understand just how important it is to, to have a tough stance to divert people from coming here. Uh, when you see a, a 12-year-old girl with a Plan B pill or with uh, their, their parents put her on birth control because they know that's getting violated as part of the journey. That's just a oh. terrible way to live. When you see a four-year-old girl traveling completely alone with just her parents' phone number written across her shirt, I mean, come on now, you know, something needs to be done. We, we had a nine-year-old boy last year have a heat stroke and die in front of us uh, with no family around, and, and that's because we're allowing people to continue to take advantage of this system. And, um, you know, CNN has been pushing the idea that this whole this whole policy of zero tolerance and breaking the law and crossing into this country illegally, it's cruel and inhumane and suggesting by extension that these kids are being cruelly treated. Cabrera, the National Border Patrol Council spokesman, was asked about that on CNN yesterday as to how these kids are treated. I can tell you with absolute certainty that they're being treated humanely. Um, all, most of our agents are parents. Uh, I've I've seen guys, and I've done it myself. You you give your last bottle of water to a kid. You'll take a toy out of your car to give to one of these kids because you know the situation they're in. Um, yeah. You know, agents are, are very sympathetic. Um, we're, we're human. We're fathers. We we, we have families. Um, we we do a lot for the communities here. Whether or not a, a camera is involved, our agents are very involved, and nobody saves more lives along the southwestern border than the U.S. Border Patrol. Boy, I'll tell you what, that finally saw the light of day on CNN, and I thought he was terrific. 
Deb, lots of news uh, you want to bring us right now. And after that, let's uh, preview your legal brief segment with Attorney Jeff Kaufman, okay? You got it, bud. Let's kick it off with the news. Florida Senator Bill Nelson is being denied entry to a Miami area facility that houses children who enter the country illegally. Nelson and Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz were turned away yesterday from the Homestead Temporary Shelter for Unaccompanied Children, where about 1,000 migrant children are reportedly being held. This is a federally contracted facility here. This is the involvement of federal funds. This is in my state of Florida, and we are being denied entry to see about the welfare of children. Nelson says they were told by the company running the facility they would need two weeks' notice to allow them inside. He called that, quote, ridiculous and said they're, quote, obviously hiding something, end quote. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Houston Street in New York City is one of the 14 most mispronounced places in the U.S. I spent a lot of time in uh, lower Manhattan years ago because my dad worked there. It's spelled exactly like the Texas City. It really is. And a Business Insider report says pronouncing it like Houston, as in the Texas City, is the quickest way to get yourself labeled an outsider, which, by the way, is where Soho, this is where I learned it in visiting New York City, it's where Soho gets its name because it's south of Houston. That's what Soho is. Now that I never knew. That's interesting. Yeah. How about that? So, uh, but the number one spot in the nation that's mispronounced is the Silver State. Depends on how you say it. I know folks in Nevada hate it when you call it Nevada. It's Nevada. I think it is. I think it is, too. Wow. And I'm probably still mispronouncing it. Other linguistic trouble spots include Cairo, Illinois, spelt like Cairo. Yes. Mackinac Island, Michigan. You don't know if it's Mackinac, but it's Mackinac. And Spokane, Washington. And, of course, Louisville. We Louisville. 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 There, yeah, you're right. Florida called a Louisville. <laughs> oh, Louisville. God bless you. We got a couple of them right here in Central Florida. <laughs> I was about to say, there's a lot of roads oh, that people get wrong. Yeah. <laughs> we got here. a couple of towns all the time, yeah. and you hear them. You can always tell when someone's voicing a commercial and they don't live here, yep, okay? Because it's Kissimmee. Kissimmee. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking. Yep. Kissimmee. Kissimmee. That's how that's I always pronounced it. It's Kissimmee at night. Yeah. Oh, well. Now, and then Melbourne is always messed always. up because it's spelled the same way the big city in Australia is that's called Melbourne, and they'll always hit the car ads voice from out of always. town. You know, go see him in Melbourne. Or El Monte Springs. Oh, that too. Oh, yeah, like, I forgot. Like, yep. like, like Del Monte or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We got a few right here. And any one of the nine-syllable rivers in Central Florida, <laughs> nobody can pronounce it. Donut to Sasa. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like to- Tohopa Galiga. Tohopa Galiga. Tohopa Galiga. With Lahoochee, and it goes on and on and on. And interesting, too, we have a county in Florida that's spelled just like um, Lafayette, but it's pronounced Lafayette. Yeah, that'll nail you, too. That'll nail you as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, well, Sonoma is getting a boost from a travel publication that calls it one of the coolest small towns in America. Budget Travel ranks Sonoma as the second coolest, calling it, quote, a wine lover's paradise, and quote, like a theme park for grown-ups, which has retained much of its Spanish colonial flavor. The coolest on the list, though, is Beacon, New York, which is noted as being a haven for artists, artisans, chefs, and environmentalists, and an easy day trip or weekend escape from New York City. Third coolest on the list of towns with populations under 20,000 is Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So beautiful if you've never been. Followed by Durango, Colorado, and Ephraim, Wisconsin.
Good stuff, Deb. You're welcome. Coming up on Legal Briefs with Attorney Jeff Kaufman, what are you guys going to focus on this morning? Well, we're going to talk about the lawsuit that was filed by Morgan & Morgan earlier this week concerning the derailment of the roller coaster ride in Daytona Beach. Mm-hmm. I have a question about why the state agency that inspected that ride just hours before the derailment is not being included in the lawsuit. And we also got a really, really cool question that was texted in by our listener, Kathy. Thank you so much, Kathy, who wants to know what her legal rights are regarding backyard shooting ranges. Also, someone just texted in that their son was injured in an auto accident and given a settlement um, and has a question about having to hire an attorney. So if you'd like to send your question in, please do. 23680, he's the only attorney licensed in 18 states. He is sure to be able to answer your legal question. The Deb Meister and Attorney Jeff Kaufman, it's Legal Briefs every Wednesday at 840. Don't miss it. It's coming right up. After we update Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes here on News Radio 1025 WFLA. And 8.40 on a Wednesday morning means it's time for Legal Briefs with attorney Jeff Kaufman, nationally recognized personal injury attorney, the only one who is licensed in 18 states. Good Wednesday morning, Jeff. How are you? The party continues. Yes, it does. Let's keep this going. Let's kick it off because I've been interested to ask you this. I've been sitting on it since Monday when attorney Matt Morgan of Morgan & Morgan announced a, uh, a he's representing three people who were hurt in last week's derailment of the Sandblaster roller coaster ride in Daytona Beach. He said his clients had their lives changed forever as a direct result of what happened that night. Now, those being sued include the ride operator, the manufacturer, and the owner. But Morgan says he does not expect to sue the state agency responsible for inspecting the ride. Now, the reason why I ask is because the state had just inspected the ride literally just hours before the derailment. Don't they have some some responsibility in this accident? They absolutely do. Uh, when a state agency or a state uh, body does something uh, they and it's ro- done wrong, you absolutely can go after them. The reason they're probably not going after them is, uh, just so you know, in the state of Florida, if you decide to sue somebody like a police officer, an inspector, somebody else like that, you have to give them six months. What? Yeah, you have you can't file suit for six months. You have to file a demand and say, listen, you know, here's what's going on, and they have six months to get back to you. Why so, does why do they get six months notice and we don't? It's the law. Whether we like it or not, the state allows you to sue the state, but it's limited to two hundred, three hundred thousand, and uh, you have to wait six months. So if he wants, if Matt wants to sue immediately. You know, he's he can't sue them. So that's why they're not suing them directly, most likely. Wow. Even though they obviously would, I mean, most likely have a case considering, again, the state had just inspected the ride. And then a few hours later, you have the derailment. Listen, I every lawyer makes their decisions, but there would be no way I would let these people off the hook. I There's mean, no way because they're they clearly as responsible as the person who owns the ride. You inspect something, you say it's OK. And then six hours later, you know, people get hurt. You know, they're they're on the hook. But the question is, is they're only on the hook for two to three hundred thousand dollars. Right. And it would slow the case up by six months. But it's it's really worth it, because what can happen is, is that, you know, all these other people can blame the state agency and say it wasn't our fault. In Florida, they have what they call comparative negligence, which means that let's say somebody's 10 percent responsible. Okay, he pays 10 percent. This guy's 90 percent. He pays the 90 percent. In this case, if they find that the inspector is responsible for 80, 90 percent. And you didn't sue these people, you know, you leave that money on the table and your client gets hurt by it. And you can't go back and then try and sue them after 
You could try. You can try. Right. I mean, but the, what's going to happen is they're going to blame it on the other people. So you want everybody in the boat together. So right. when they're pointing fingers at each other and you're sitting in front of a jury, you know, you have all these people sitting out there. So not they can't blame it on somebody who's not in the courtroom. So it's absolutely something that you would I would wait on because not not being a armchair quarterback. No. But in this situation, I want to make sure I have everything together and I don't want to be quick. Maybe they're looking for a quick settlement. I don't know. I don't know because, you know, as a consumer, you want to think that while the manufacturer and the owner and the operator may not be on the up and up, you're going to give a little bit of extra credence to the fact that the state came and inspected it and gave their okay. Yeah, I mean – what happens if I sue in the people who cr- who created the ride? They they don't know if the ride had a problem. Or, uh, there was a defect. And product liability is really tough because you have to show that there was a defect in the property, and it's not always the easiest thing to do. And it's it's sometimes very complicated. Well, then the state got off lucky with this one. Well, the states we don't know if they're going to completely get off. My concern is is that these other parties are going to blame the state. Say, listen, they they could have fixed this, and they right. didn't. We didn't know. We trusted them. Right. Well, we got a really cool question that was texted in by our listener, Kathy. Thank you so much, Kathy. She said she'd like to know what her legal rights are regarding backyard shooting ranges. I live in a gated residential neighborhood, and my neighbor next door shoots his guns on a regular basis. I can no longer enjoy my uh, property for fear of a stray bullet. I am fearful for my personal safety and that of my children, so we no longer go outside. Is my only option to move? No, no. In this situation, if... Yes, you can have some guy can build a range in his backyard, but you have you have noise issues, you have pollution issues, you have safety issues. If he's not in compliance with these things, you definitely can file suit against the guy. But if you moved to the area and he was doing that before you got there, it's kind of like an old case law where where somebody was upset because they moved next to a pig farmer and they were upset at the smell. Well, you moved into that situation. If this guy started doing this afterwards, you actually might have an issue. So what what should her first step be? Should it be to a... Uh, first step is to call an attorney, find out what's going on. She can contact us and we can get put her in the right direction. Uh, normally we don't handle cases like that, but like with all the questions that come across from your listeners and everyone else, when you get us at whenyouneedus.com, we always answer the questions and we'll say, okay, get an attorney, don't get an attorney. Here's a good attorney that handles that area of law. If I can't handle it, which you know I'd say 95% of the cases that come across are not personal injury, I'll put you in the right direction. And that's that's the best advice you can get. And then finally, another listener texted in, quote, my son was injured in an auto accident and was given a settlement. Why do we have to hire an attorney and take more of his settlement money to ask for guardianship? Guardianship is a separate issue. For example, uh, my son's autistic. So when he turns 18 years old, he's going to he's going to need a guardian. Yes. And it's yes. And whether whether you have whether this because as your older dementia or other areas like that, that is completely separate from your personal injury case. Now, if he had these issues beforehand, a lot of attorneys, like, for example, I work very closely with a couple attorneys who do estate law and things like that, that I bring in before this happens. So what will happen is this, so that you know, if you have a child and you get more than $15,000, you got to go to the court and apply for a guardianship. That's why they need to hire an attorney to do exactly. that. Now, a lot of times your personal injury attorney will tell you that during the case and say, listen, we're looking at this. We're looking at this. It's not part of your personal injury case. Normally, it costs anywhere from two to six thousand dollars to get done. So, the, this, these folks as well, where should they contact yeah. you to get more? Contact of this us advice? at whenyouneedus.com, and I'll get you in the right direction on this one. I mean, for example, we do a lot of this work when it deals with autism because, like I said, my son's on the spectrum, and 
we take this very seriously. Yeah, and both of my nephews are on the spectrum yeah. as well for autism, actually very low functioning, and we had to set up guardianship for them as well because, of course, even though as a parent you're the guardian, you still have to make provisions for... Oh, yeah. I mean, I do. we do primarily personal injury, but I made sure there was a space in our firm to be able to work with special needs. So once again, how do folks reach you? Uh, WhenYouNeedUs.com. Attorney Jeff Kaufman, the only attorney licensed in 18 states in the United States. Personal injury attorney. Give him a call. Check out his website. You can also get a free will when you check out WhenYouNeedUs.com. Jeff, thank you once again. We look forward to seeing you again next Wednesday. Every day. All right, Bud, we'll be right back on the 50,000-watt front porch on News Radio 102.5 WFLA. Why is that a curious story? If Karen Peters were a guy, she'd be fired in five seconds. We need to talk about that double standard, and I think we will on the show tomorrow. Let's listen to President Trump, who's being vilified for just trying to secure our borders to keep illegal aliens out of this country. And um, as he says, you know, if, if you don't have borders, you don't have a country. He's talking about the legislation that he wants to see from Congress. We can either release all illegal immigrant families and minors who show up at the border from Central America, or we can arrest the adults for the federal crime of illegal entry. Those are the only two options, totally open borders or criminal prosecution for lawbreaking. So what I'm asking Congress to do is to give us a third option, which we have been requesting since last year, the legal authority to detain and promptly remove families together as a unit. And the president tweeted as a follow-up to this yesterday, we must always arrest people coming into our country illegally. Amen. Of the 12,000 children, 10,000 are being sent by their parents on a very dangerous trip, and only 2,000 are with their parents, many of whom have tried to enter our country illegally on numerous occasions. Democrats, he tweets, are the problem. They don't care about crime and want illegal immigrants, no matter how bad they may be, to pour in and infest our country like MS-13, the gangs. They can't win on their terrible policies, so they view them as potential voters. President Trump. By the way, on determining whether or not these are real families or phony families put together south of the border to take advantage of loopholes in our laws in, in, in with kids and the supposed mom and dad again into the country, Attorney General Jeff Sessions is now looking into Yaffe administering DNA tests to determine whether we have legitimate families or whether or not we don't. And that will torch the left again. I know. And the meltdown will continue. <laughs> They're going to melt down no matter what, what Jeff Sessions or Trump does. Unless unless they let all the illegals in and just open the borders, the left's going to be upset. Yeah, yeah. The left is, it's like they're like the now the political equivalent of the Kilauea volcano. So we will <laughs> wait for the next eruptions today and report on them here the tomorrow. Fissure. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Exactly. That's it for Deb and for Yaffe and for Steph the Budman. Have a great day. See you tomorrow. Thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.